And welcome back to Fully Equipped. Jay Wall, RB, serial killer. No Gene this week, but he will be back next week. For those of you that view him as the voice of reason, I'm sure you're very disappointed. You're also going to be disappointed because I'm going to bring up the Texas Rangers again at the beginning of the <laughs> podcast. Oh, man. How are we feeling, Chris? How's the Arizona crew? You're, you're one game away from, from elimination. I, you know, I being from St. Louis, I'm a St. Louis Cardinals fan. I was going to say, so oh, God, I, this is not good. 2011 no, I, gives me a lot of, of really bad memories. I appreciate good baseball, and I appreciate good entertaining games, regardless of who's playing. But I, uh, I don't really have a dog in the fight, to be honest with you. Yeah, you've got you've got enough. You've got enough World Series trophies. You're okay. Um, unlike the Texas Rangers, who have never won a World Series, so as we're recording this podcast on a Wednesday, I could be in a very good mood next week. Could be in a very dark place, depending on on how the next, hopefully, one game. Please. Don't make it go all the way to game seven, but you never know. Anyway, Vegas Vegas needs it to go to seven. Yeah, they do need to go to seven, but I do not. I have tickets to game six, so I'm very conflicted because do I want to come back to Arlington for a game six or would I rather just close it out and make me happy on the road? I I would say probably just close it out. I don't I don't want the stress of a game six. Just do it. You know, you know what? Just think you'd have you'd have no stress. You'd have no stress and all that extra money back on your credit card. (laughs) Oh, that'd be great. It'd be be so great. All that extra money back on the credit card. (laughs) We already we already spent money for tickets to game one of the World Series and tickets to game five of the LCS. And yeah, it's it's been been a very expensive playoff baseball season. But anyway, um, it's gonna be a busy day today. I'm not just talking about Rangers baseball, but as we're recording this podcast. There's going to be a new product launch, and we could talk about it on the pod because by the time this pod comes out, it'll already be old news. That would be Odyssey's new AI One and AI One milled putters. This is a really cool product. So I'm going to be going to Frisco, which is just up the road from where I live here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, to be there for the launch, and then also get some interviews with. Hopefully, maybe one, two, three big name PGA Tour pros. So Sam Burns, John Rahm, and Xander Shoffley are all going to be at this event. And I know for a fact that two of them, Sam and John, are both using AI1 putters at the moment. Um, I actually saw, I was, in, I was in Phoenix for a hot minute this week and saw Chris. You were testing him, man. And the numbers looked pretty cool. I, I don't want to get like too deep into the like the nitty gritty. We will talk about that. But before we do, I just want to know like what was your first impression when you saw them, and was there anything that stood out to you during the testing? I mean, being a gearhead, the uh, the AI story now being introduced into the putter lineups are uh, it's it's compelling. It's a fun story. It and the science and the data behind it, all of the testing. And to see a player like John Rahm test it and not even have an opportunity to really put it through its paces in a proving ground environment in tournament golf, test it, and then immediately put it in play for the Ryder Cup. I mean, that says a lot about the tech. And I mean, it's a story that I was told. Uh, Tell it, because it's John a really Rahm. great story. <clears throat> what, the, about John Rahm? Yes, 
Because if you don't when, tell it, then uh, I am. It's a great one. So when Callaway was essentially introducing this new AI1 concept to Rom specifically, they were going over his his putting stats. And as it sat through the regulation 2023 PGA Tour season, he was 28th in strokes gained putting. And his stats for his conversions from three to four feet were 99.8%. But average proximity to the hole at 32 feet. And that particular proximity brought in the occasional three putt. So with AI1, they ran all of the numbers. And with this new tech, if he would have had AI1 in play for the 2023 season, not only would his proximity have been on average after his first putt, two feet closer to the hole, which would have put him into that three to four feet range a hell of a lot more. And as we know, you know sometimes one or two shots wins majors. So his strokes gained putting stat would have taken him from 28th up to 8th on tour and earned him an extra, I, I believe it was 2.5 to 2.8, maybe even $2.9 million just from an extra two feet that he would have gotten with AI one putter in the bag. So Rom, as I was told, uh, was fired up. He was pissed. He was basically looking at these he was stats irate. and going, yeah. I'm a better player than this guy. I'm a better player than this guy. I know I'm a better putter than this guy. How are they ahead of me? And he went out and he was testing it. And I mean, it went immediately in the bag. So it's the same Rossi design just now incorporating the new AI one face tech, which is, it's just pretty cool. It is very cool. And one other thing about Rom that I love that they pointed out is they said that he, he had 23 three putts during the season and that if he would have used AI one, he would have been able to cut that number in half. Yeah. That's I pretty mean, staggering. To if think you, about. if you tell, if you tell a, a PGA tour pro that this putter could have helped cut that number in half for three putts. Oh boy. You're going to get a lot of guys to, to, uh, to add this putter. And it's got a really interesting story because, um, Odyssey even admitted that like things had gotten a little stagnant over there. And, you know, when you're number one, like they had been for so long across all the worldwide tours, I mean, I think they'd been the number one putter on the, on the DP world tour, LPGA tour and the champions for two decades which is a really long time yeah. to be, I mean, you're, you're an apex predator as, as uncle Gene would like to call it. And so it, it's kind of <laughs> tough. Like, where do you go from the, from the top? And so what they ended up doing is they ended up taking one of their, their engineers and they plucked him out of the office and they put him right into the field on the PGA tour so that he could work directly with the Odyssey tour reps and then also start talking to players. And for those that didn't read the story that I wrote uh, for golf magazine, it's been a little while, but uh, I wrote a story on the putting green that Odyssey added to the Callaway truck. And that putting green on the truck also has a, a Quintix system. So they were bringing guys onto the truck and analyzing everybody's stroke. And what they started to learn is, is that pro golfers are elite when it comes to speed control. But one of the things where they struggle with that amateur golfers struggle with all the time is, is impact consistency. 
So where are you impacting that ball in the face? And they found that pros, just like their amateur counterparts, they miss it a lot. And when you're missing the ball off the heel and the toe, that's going to affect ball speed. So even if you're elite when it comes to, to that consistency with control, if you're hitting it off the heel or the toe, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter how good you are because you've got to match those things up. So that's where this new AI1 insert comes in. It, it's two versions. So you've got a, co a co-molded version that has the polymer with an aluminum back. And this is the one that's going to be more like the OG white hot insert. And then they're also releasing an AI1 milled version, which is going to be made, it's going to be milled from titanium. And it's going to be having, it's going to have more of that premium feel. So you're going to have two different versions of these depending on, on feel preferences. Now we've seen uh, Sam Burns and John Rom go with the AI1 version, the one that's more uh, similar to the, to the white hot. And it's, I, I mean, as Chris mentioned, I mean, Rom threw it in the bag right away. He was using a, a prototype, trying to conceal what exactly it was at the BMW event in the UK. And Burns, who's been using that same number seven head shape, basically for his entire professional career, uh, you know, it's, you, you, you put an insert in like that and you tell him, hey, this insert's gonna, gonna allow you to hit it all over the face and you're gonna see similar distances regardless of, of where you're impacting it. They're, Odyssey's saying based on robotic testing that they conducted, it's 21% closer regardless of where you hit it on the face. I mean, it's, it's a pretty cool tech guys. I, you know, I, I love that they, for the AI one, they put a little window in the back cavity. So you can actually see the contours that the, the artificial intelligence, cause they use the same AI that they use to create the faces on their metal woods and their irons. And that's what's driving this tech. So all those contours on the back, that's how you're able to achieve similar distances, regardless of where you're hitting it on the face. And uh, I told, was told a cool story. You all know the putt that Rom hit when he was playing Scotty Scheffler on Sunday at the Ryder Cup. That was like 90 feet. I mean, it was, it was way out there. And he left it a couple inches short of the hole. Um, apparently, Rom told the Odyssey guys that he hit that one pretty, pretty dead off the heel. So <laughs> take that for what it's worth. But if he's, if even Rom's admitting he's hitting it off the heel and it's ending up that close to the hole, I think it's, I think it's going to be a cool tech that everybody's going to get excited about. And, uh, oh, by the way, it's going to be released on Friday. So you don't have to wait very long. Yeah. It's coming up quick, which I, I wish I had, it would have had it when I was uh, up at nationals at, uh, at big Cedar last week. Cause there were, plenty of putts that I was just one rev away from getting up and down and saving par, potentially adding a few more birdies to the card. But it, testing it yesterday really, really made me wish I would have had that up in, uh, up at nationals. You saw more ball speed, right? I mean, I was looking at the numbers when you guys were finishing up filming more ball speed across the board for both ones, right? Uh, more ball speed, yes, and then also uh, the preservation of ball speed. I mean, the the story checks out with what they're talking about with the the efficiency of the insert striking it on the toe and on the heel. Not only are they super stable, they've carried over some of the tech that they kind of pioneered with the TriHot 5K uh, with the resistance to twisting and the stability in those heads. 
incorporated that into new AI1 in addition to this AI design face tech. So there's there's a lot of technology packed into this putter. And the, the milled head is slightly smaller than what you have in the, uh, I guess, the regular production model AI1 with the white hot. And I mean, both of them are, are really solid. New stroke lab shaft, some counterbalancing features. There's, there's a lot going on in there. Different price points too, for those that are curious. So the, the AI one with the white hot, uh, style insert, that's going to be basically 300 bucks and the milled is 450. So there is, there's a little bit of a, a difference in price between the two. And I'm, I'm sure there's going to be a little bit of crowing because of that. You know, everybody wants the the same price for every putter in there, but that, that AI one, AI one milled with the, the milled titanium insert. I mean, it's supposed to have a premium feel and you would figure if it's got a premium feel, it's probably going to have a premium price point. I mean, absolutely. I was going to say seeing them in, in, uh, in Vegas, that was like the first time, first week they were on tour. Um, they look premium. Like that was the biggest thing to me is <clears throat> I'd, I'd say if Odyssey was to lack something, when you look at uh, some of the OG stuff is like that, that kind of standard traditional, just like steel finish. It's great. Like there's nothing wrong with it. And I understand people really like it. And there really is like, again, there's no knock to what it is, but you picked up one of these new ones on the putting and you're like, Oh man, these actually look really good. That's and good I think, and I think the, uh, as well as the insert. I mean, the insert stands out. It obviously has a very Scotty Cameron Terillium look to it. Like, you know, we can't get past that. I'm not going to just like pretend that it doesn't exist. Uh, but I think that's the reference point a lot of people will make to that when they first see it because of the color, because of the the contrast between the actual putter finish and the insert itself. But I think the, the most interesting part of being there in Vegas was like when you're on the putting green at a PGA Tour event, there is inherently going to be people that come up look at it and put it down reps are going to talk to players and they're going to you know ask some questions and you know put it around maybe hit a few putts that didn't go on their way but throughout the two days that i was there the amount of putters that was on that bag when they literally were pulling them out of the box and the day that i left the second day in the afternoon was vastly different and that means that players were taking them and going out into the golf course and using them or bringing them to uh maybe bring them home or take them out onto the course and just use them and, and put them in play that week. So there's definitely some, some buzz around that from a usage perspective. And I think to having someone like Rom put one into play after having a lot of success with the putter that he was using shows that there's a lot of belief in the, in the technology that they're going to deliver, which again, seeing the little, which I didn't even notice at first. Again, it's like one of those things you're like, you know, as a, as someone who's like visual and just wants to know what a putter looks like behind the ball, you kind of pick one up and you're like, Oh man, it looks really good. And then you pick it up and look at the bottom. You're like what the hell is this window? <laughs> like it yeah. is this, it is this funny thing because you don't get that with, and look, I challenge OEMs out there. Give me a window into a driver or a fairway would please. Cause that would be sick. Cause I'm telling you right now, you'll have a lot well, of, they did it with the spaceport on that's, the, I guess on the Cobra. Yeah. Cobra I mean, did it, do that. Yeah, but I, I agree with you. Nobody's really nobody's really showing the tech like that. I, I totally agree with you, RB. And but my question to you guys is, does it look gimmicky on the back of this putter, or do you do you like do you like that look? I mean, you can't see it at a dress, as you mentioned. It's only when you're actually looking at the back of this putter. But I do wonder if if golfers out there are going to be like, eh, 
I don't really like being able to see the contours of, of the insert in the back. And I'm sure there are going to be some that are going to love it. Here, You're going to have both. Yeah. I was, I was going to say, um, I know, I know we're going to touch on this subject a little bit, but like we, we looking at the old archives of like club tests going back to like the early nineties, thanks to like our, our digital archives that we have um, and looking at old golf ads and looking at uh kind of the way clubs were even reviewed back in, in like from with our, even our own mag, like our talking about our own magazine, golf magazine, going back to those, those early nineties when I was a, a, a wee pup that didn't even play golf yet. It would have been five or six years old then. Gosh, let me tell you, there's a lot of stuff that you'd think this, this was never going to work or this sounds gimmicky or whatever. And you realize that like this stuff really worked and it, it like created change within the industry when talking about certain products or the one of my favorites which um was like the ping l8 bag with a stand now with a stand and it's like oh yeah this is probably <laughs> a bunch of people probably like, man this is a fade like who needs ai in a putter it's like who needs a stand on a golf bag like that doesn't make any sense like why can i just go and pick it up now right people are like no no that actually was like a revolutionary product at the time right so we can look at it both ways but i, I do think the way that we use data now in golf and I was a big skeptic of it for a long time that it didn't really matter. And I still think like if you're someone who just wants to go and hit persimmon woods, like you can still go do that kind of stuff. But if you're looking at performance, you're focused on performance, those edges require like true investment into understanding the cause and effect of certain things. And if they're bringing that to putters, then by all means, um, and you know, I, I can I'll, obviously Odyssey is going to give us some really cool information, but to, to hear Chris have the opportunity to go through that and actually test it out. Uh, that to me is is something that makes it very interesting. Now, Odyssey, I I, uh, I think I'm pretty sure, but uh, you know, if you got one of those long putter ones, I'd love to give it a try. Don't get me wrong, I'll try a normal one too. If you got a long putter one, we're putting two things together here. You can make me like an ultimate putting super robot. Speaking oh, of, just wait. I was say speaking <laughs> of longer. Did you not know that they're coming out with the cruiser version? Oh yeah, February. February. Oh, R- RB's, RB's pumped now. So yeah, they're going to be coming yeah. out with. Uh, this is only going to be in the, I believe, and Chris, you can correct me if I'm wrong. The double wide crank hosel, uh, seven double bend, and the jailbird. They're going to be coming out with a build called the Cruiser. This is a 38 inch putter with a 17 inch grip. This is, everybody's going to be like, oh yeah, I know what putter this is. Uh, heavier shaft at 140 grams and a heavier head at 380 it's called the yip buster oh man this putter yip is gonna buster. be <laughs> seriously that that putter build right there that cruiser build is going to be wildly popular if they sold i mean how they could have like doubled or tripled the quantity of jailbirds the the jailbird the 380 that they sold and they probably would still be having more requests for it so to have this cruiser build that's coming out with the new ai one line oh man Odyssey's doing it right. Like I, I yeah. feel, I feel like this is a proper putter launch. And I'm not, to, I'm not saying that Odyssey hasn't done great launches before, but a lot of the ones, if I'm, if I'm speaking honestly, and I feel like we all do on this podcast, a lot of the recent ones have been very underwhelming. It's been like here's, here's the new product. It, it looks, you know, it, it kind of to RB's point, it didn't really like excite me all that much. Uh, like five times, five times is cool, but it's just like there was nothing about it where I'm like, ah, man, this is this is neat. Like AI one when I when I got the lowdown on this one, I mean, I was legitimately excited, and it's been a while since I've been I've had that feeling when it's come to an to an Odyssey putter. Real talk. I think I think five K was really good. Like I do it think there good. was there's a lot of tech there, but like 
it's one of those things where, you know, golfers are, are visual and to have that, that see something different. Cause like when you put it inside of a golf club, it's like, yeah, it's great. But you know, people want to know why it's different, right? There's a reason the white driver from TaylorMade sold so many freaking drivers because people saw it on TV and they went to their store and they tried it out. And there was a, there was a tech story there with the way that the R11 and R11S worked that, you know, brought people to that product. Um, and I think this is a case where, you know, they got, they seem to have a lot going on with this thing. And, and, you know, it is, it is something where people are going to try it and whether it be in a store or in a, in a much more focused fitting environment, like you get at a true spec where you have a Quintic or using foresight. I know you use foresight, uh, which I started messing around with by, by the way, with the putting app stuff. And that's pretty fun. Uh, but to, to see what that actually relates to, as far as consistency is concerned and impact on the face, it is, uh, you know, again, I think it's something where you're going to see people who need a little bit of help and even people who don't need help. John Rom doesn't actually need help, but he's going to get it now. Um, get a benefit when they're putting and when they're on the greens. Cause listen, we all, everyone, everyone wants to make just one more putt, right? That's 100%. It. Yeah. I mean, and that's, yeah. that's it. You want to make one, one more putt. More. Yep. That's it. That's all that matters. And if you can cut your three putts in half, like they were telling John Rom, I'm pretty sure you're going to see a lot of guys use this. I, I will go on record and say that, that AI one's going to be wildly successful this year. I think come January, when when everybody, all the big names come out of hibernation, and we start we start to see some real golf in Hawaii. I think you're going to see a lot of AI one putters, and not just from guys, not just Callaway staffers. I think you're going to see a lot of a lot of these putters from from non-staffers as well. I we 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 can't talk about all of the all the stuff coming down the pipeline, but I think we're going to see a lot of non-staffers using some some of the new product that's going to be coming out just to just to tease club test a little bit yeah there's some stuff that's coming that just made me go wow that's different and really cool yeah i have to chuckle because i saw somebody posted uh a story on on instagram and it was talking about like how great this driver lineup was and i was like (laughs) yeah 2022 or 2023 was good, but just, just wait, just wait a year. And everybody's probably out there rolling their eyes, but it, there's, there's some really cool stuff coming. Not going to lie. Some really cool stuff. And one of the, one of those really cool products is already out there now. Yeah, I won. Um, anyway, so I want to, I want to discuss club building because RB has been doing some real cool stuff on his Instagram account. If you don't follow him, you should definitely be following him. He's at, uh, RDS Barath on Instagram. And he's had a couple of videos recently. Uh, one of them was how to turn down ferrules. The other was how to make sure your shafts are properly centered in the hosel. Um, I mean, really important things that I don't think a lot of golfers out there really consider, mostly because they probably aren't building their own clubs like RB. But we, and I'm sure RB gets a lot of questions, way more than I do, because he does he does regular Instagram stories where he's answering like sometimes 30 or 40 questions. And it's all very insightful. But the one question that sometimes I will even get is like, hey, like if I want to build my own clubs, like how do I do that? How do I become a club builder? Like like RB. RB, like what what's your answer when people come to you with those questions? Like, what do you need to actually like maintain and build your own golf clubs? Well, if, I mean, the first thing I would say is if you go to, if you, if you go to the old Google machine 
and you type in uh, clubs you need to build clubs and then golf.com, you'll get an article that I wrote about it. Um, but it, it's not overly complicated. I think it's just a matter of understanding technique. And I think- <laughs> depends. Depends on the person. You're, you're a pretty smart guy. <laughs> when, it com- when it comes to assembly, it's, it's not overly difficult. But it's the small things that actually make the biggest difference. And this is why when I've trained people to build golf clubs in the past and when I learned like the biggest thing you got to learn first is to, you know, you're probably going to screw up a few golf clubs. And if you're going to start, start with some wedges because you got a full steel head with a full steel shaft. And unless you're going to completely cook them with a butane torch, there's really not a lot that can go wrong from there. So learn to pull them apart, learn to clean them out, learn to put them back together. It's one of the easiest things you can do and one of the greatest places to start when it comes to those kind of things. And you don't need a lot of tools either. But the reason I want to talk, the reason I want to mention like the feral thing is because I post about it all the time. People always ask like, you know, why does it look like this? Why does it look like that? And like, I can go through and I'm not going to mention any names here. You're all safe. You all you OEMs out there who are listening, you are safe, but I'm telling you, I judge you. I judge all of you. And I, because I can tell which companies are not turning down ferals and are using either uh, snap fit ferals that just go over and that kind of stick in because you can actually feel the little nub from where the, the ferals are injection molded. So they haven't even been turned down that way. They haven't even been shined. They just go epoxy, plunk, they get dried in some form or fashion, then they get cut and then the group goes on and that's it. And that's how they do it. And it's not overly difficult to tell. Or uh, there's, I mean, there's, there's a set over here again, won't mention names, but they've got some lean to them, which means Either they're not using a collared ferrule, they're using some type of ferrule that's maybe not quite the shape that they should be, and you're getting a lip from the metal to the plastic part. And this is the thing that like drives me nuts because people don't know when they're buying something. And I will go, you know, I can go to a retail store and just, there's ever a weird guy walking around like a big box store and he's touching all the ferrules of the golf clubs. That's me because I'm like trying to figure out which one is like, okay, who's doing what. But it's the idea that when you go to a club builder and you go to someone who's going to be building your golf clubs, people don't know what questions to ask. Right. it's like, I don't know if the air filter on my car is right. Or if my tires are whatever people, it's like that thing where like you, you can't see inside of it. So if someone who's supposed to be an expert tells you something and they're like, Oh, we did this right. Everything's fine. And then you go back and you're like, this club doesn't feel right. Or this club doesn't feel right. Well, how do you know that everything was kind of done properly? And I always say a feral is a good way to know that you're probably potentially, hopefully working with someone who knows what they're talking about. Because if, if that's finished properly, then hopefully everything else was done properly. It's kind of like my telltale sign. And if it's not done properly, and that's the thing that they're going to literally hand you and distribute to you, whether it be grips on, grips on straight is a big one too, but the ferrule being finished properly and shined and cleaned and all of those things. If someone knows how to do that right, then the things that you don't see, they're probably doing right as well. That's that's the way I like to think about it. And I actually like the when, when Truespec posts videos of how they – on social, like how they build golf clubs and goes through that process. I talk to the, I mean, I know a number of the, the builders there and they do a really good job. And I think that to me is, is why when I, the way I judge a golf shop is not how they fit golf clubs. Cause lots of places can fit golf clubs. It's how do you deliver what was fit to that golfer under the specs that they're supposed to be, that they're finished properly. So that golfer can be confident in using them. And as far as tools are concerned, again, you can go check it out, but I mean, it's again on Instagram. I post about a lot of this stuff just because I want people to understand that it's not overly complicated. And yes, I do kind of simplify it because I'm used to doing it. But at the end of the day, you being more knowledgeable at your golf clubs allows you to just be a little bit more 
um, educated and you know if you if you look at something or you're buying something or you're receiving something from somebody you can start asking the right questions because every golfer out there should just be a little bit more educated so they know that they're not getting sold a bill of goods that's just a bunch of crap okay but you, you say it's not that difficult <laughs> but i feel like it's it's what we talk about you know golf like getting a set of golf clubs isn't that difficult you can you should just go get these things so what what are those tools like if somebody was actually interested in in learning how to become a club builder and maintain their own clubs like what are what are the first couple of things that you would say all right if you if you're really interested in this like these are a couple of items that you can get they're they're not super expensive and they'll they'll be able to help you in the long run yeah um a shaft puller is a big one if you're if you're especially if you're dealing with graphite shafts it's a great tool the one that i have which is actually behind me i know this is an audio medium but the one that I have behind me is the one that I've had since I was a teenager. Same for my Lyloff machine, my gripping station behind me. So when you buy good tools or invest in good tools and take care of them, they're going to last a long time. Um, there we go, cough button. Um, but a chop saw is a big one because when you are working with graphite, again, you do not need a really expensive one. There are really nice expensive ones that you'll see on tour vans that I love. I, trust me, I want one really bad. They're like 500 bucks. <laughs> I do not own one. Um, but I have one that I think was probably like $125, but still same one I've had for probably close to a decade now, but you buy the good blades, you buy the good thin fiber Norton blades that, that are really good at making sure that they cut, they make clean cuts. They make straight cuts. Uh, they reduce dust, all of those things that are like the little details that really matter. And so shaft puller saw, and then it's the little hand tools or in reality, like a little bit of sandpaper, uh, a belt sander, if you can get one, a, a I it's I always say it's like a 41, 42 by one inch belt sander because that gives you the opportunity to turn ferrules and, and uh, properly prep steel and graphite. Be careful out there if you're prepping graphite with those with those belt sanders. So I've seen some I've seen some hack jobs. Chris, you can't see it right now, but Chris has got this look on his face. Like, yeah, I've seen some real hack jobs. Someone will make a basically they'll uh, they'll make a uh, the the hosel or whatever the bottom piece, the little piece or the tip of the shaft. There we go. God, why did I blank on that? look like a, uh, an hourglass shape. And it's like, no, no, that's not good. <laughs> that's not good at all. Uh, you can taper them down. You can taper graphite to go into taper tip iron shafts. I've done that a lot, but uh, you you need a belt injury, but you can use a knife hook blade for changing out ferrules, two-sided tape, and like you can regrip your own golf clubs. Like it's not, those are kind of those things where, especially if you like getting your hands into like the things that you're doing in your hobbies, learning to regrip your own golf clubs not only is like therapeutic, <laughs> In most cases, some cases, but it's very easy to do. So you better understand what you like in your own golf grips. Cause it's, you go to a big box store, they're going to throw a grip on. They're going to say, here you go. Right. Or they're going to talk you through the process of like picking a grip or something, which we've done videos on. But if you have your own gripping station and you know, you try a couple different grips, like I'll try two wraps of tape under the bottom hand this time and see if I like it. Well, now you, you don't have to pay someone. You don't have to drive anywhere to do that. And yes, maybe you waste a $10 grip or something like that. But you've learned a valuable lesson on what you like. And then down the road, you can do that yourself. And then you just become a more confident, better golfer. Because as we've always talked about, the more you know about your equipment, the more you like and the feel and the connection you have to, to your golf clubs with whatever grip you choose, you're going to play better golf. And I think that is just one of those things when it comes to club building, the more you know, it's, you know, the, what's, you know, the rainbow that goes with the star and the rainbow, the more, you know, to do right, the better it's going to be. So that's why I like sharing this stuff because 
you go to these big box stores. People don't have time to explain, even if there is a good club builder there. And I, again, I used to work at a big box store, so I would try my best, but like there's 10 people lined up because they all want two grips on their driver and their wedge on a Saturday morning. No one's getting the attention that they properly deserve. So I want to educate people in their own time when they can go through this process and better understand it. Because I just, again, I want people to be educated in this and you just want to share that information. Yeah. I still think it's more difficult than that you're leading on, but I do agree. There are things that you can do. Regripping is certainly one of them. I always say the, the assembly is the easy part. It's yeah. all the prep. Yeah. It's making yeah. sure the head weights and all those other things, right? It's like every, anyone can like put together a meal if all the ingredients are prepped for you, right? But you have to go out and buy the right ingredients. You got to prep them. You got to cut them to the right sizes and all these things. The next thing you know, you've got a delicious dinner, but that dinner does come at a price. <laughs> It's, it, I mean, RB obviously having built as many clubs as you have and to Jay Wall's point, it can be as simplistic or as complicated as you want to make it. And there are so many corners that you can cut. There are so many ways that you could expedite potentially building a set of golf clubs. So it really kind of depends on how meticulous you want to be with the assembly. I mean, you can go through and and spend hours on one set of golf clubs, or you can put a set of golf clubs together in less than an hour. If you get, uh, you know, kind of like RB said, uh, proficient and you've had everything prepped and ready to go. And something that I'll always kind of communicate to people to the point of the, the, the meticulous nature in which we build a true spec is you can have an absolutely fantastic fitting experience, but then absolutely bastardize the build and the fitting doesn't mean anything. And that's where it's, you need to make sure that you are building your golf clubs to match what it is that you tested during the fitting process. And if you're doing anything other than that, then you're only shorting yourself. So that's where fitting and building need to go hand in hand. And you need to understand that there is a, a cohesive relationship and a symbiotic relationship between the fitter and the builder. So you can take your specs somewhere and if they're not hitting those specs or building to the specs that you were physically fit for, then you know, it really doesn't mean anything as far as the integrity of the fitting goes, because the building is not aligning to what you were fit for and vice versa. I can, I can remember, oh, see, back in my, my gold, like Goldsmith days, I, I built a set of Goldsmith, like these, the 600B blades, sweet set of golf clubs. You can go find a set of those used heads. They're sweet. Um, but they were, t they were parallel shafts with parallel uh, parallel, I think they're probably S three hundreds. And I spent no word of a lie, probably like four hours assembling like these seven golf clubs. Like I weighed each head. I did the lie loft beforehand. I, I weighed the shafts out. I was going through the tipping process. I didn't have a frequency machine. So I was going through and like kind of just fine tuning the tipping based on the recommended specs after weight sorting and then doing all these, like doing everything that I possibly could to get them right where they could be. And then years and years later, when I started working at a custom shop that had access to all the tools, including a frequency machine, I had a swing weight scale. So that worked out well. Uh, I, the, the one guy who like, when I started, he's like, Oh, we'll bring in your clubs and we'll spec them out. Right. And I brought them in and he starts going through this process and I'm like hitting some putts on the putting green. Cause I'm like, I don't want to be here while you're doing this. I don't want to like look over your shoulder. Um, Cause I was like, basically apply. I'd already gotten the job as a club builder, but he was like, let's see, let's like really dig into your gear. And he goes, did you build these? I said, yeah, he goes, basically they're perfect. <laughs> and I said, that's great, but that's because I spent four freaking hours with not the right tools to build these things, right? And I think that is where 
the time that goes into it. Now, the more tools you have, the easier you can you can make it. But at the end of the day, it really just comes down to knowing what you're working with, knowing the way to do it. And for it's again, you have to start somewhere. And I always say for people who want to get curious, start with wedges. But from there, you can you really can build anything. And I do think that it's possible. So, yeah, it's so important. And Chris pointed it out, <clears throat> the, the build. Like once you get fit, it's tough because a lot of times once you get fit, like you build a relationship with your fitter during that process. And so you get to know them and they get to know your tendencies. But like once they hand off the sheet, like you don't know, you don't know who's getting that sheet and who's building your golf clubs. Like there, there's like a, a high level of trust there that what your fitter is giving the builder that he's going to be able to replicate that build. Because I can't tell you how many times I've gone to uh, typically and like, I'm not going to throw any OEMs under the bus, but typically it was like one of those boondoggles where, you know, you show up, you get the product download, you hit the new stuff. And it's like, you find a driver as you're out there and you're like, man, this is actually pretty good. And so then you're like, Hey, can I just get this, this build right here? And then you get that driver and you're like, man, this thing doesn't feel the same. And there's, there's something off about it. And typically I've always, I've always attributed it to just being a bad build. So don't always yeah. blame yourself. That's, that's yeah. one thing you can blame yourself sometimes, but don't always, don't, don't be so hard on yourself. Yeah. The no, other... We unfortunately see it all the time. I mean, people will come into to true spec for a fitting and then in an effort to yeah, patriotize their their local golf shop or their local golf professional or whomever it is order it directly from you know john smith at such and such golf shop and then it comes in direct from an oem or oh i have a friend of mine that builds clubs and so on and so forth and then they come back and they're upset at me as a fitter why they can't hit this new golf club that i fit them for despite the fact that they purchased it somewhere else and then like rb said i go and i do a blueprint on this golf club and I check the specs and I weigh it and I measure it and I check the frequency of it. Look at this, the, I mean, just the cycle rate of it. And I go, okay, well here, first of all, let's take a look at uh, the weighting component. All right. This isn't even close to the same weight. Let's take a look at the shaft. Okay. This is proprietary versus, you know, this $400 shaft that I fit you for. Okay. You're testing something that is you know, cycling in this frequency. And here we tested you you know, four frequencies different from what you actually got billed for. And I, there's just so many different things that unless you know what you're looking for and know how to potentially measure those particular different parameters, you would just have no idea to the, to the untrained eye per se, they look the same, even though they could be vastly, vastly different. I mean, even things that I get with tour pros from the, uh, from the tour trucks will go do a fitting and then they take it back to the truck and they get it built and then they come back and see me and they go, man, I'm just not hitting this very well. And we go and we start looking and you know, so I'll, I'll take my shaft that I fit them for and line it right up next to the shaft that they built and go, well, yeah, that's because they tipped this thing two inches and we tested you at you know, a half inch of tipping or an inch tipping. And, and it's just not even the same product at that point. People yeah. don't know that. Yeah. Trust your club builders. Pay attention to your specs. It's the best way to go. <laughs> uh, I, I know I know we got one more and 
I, again, it, I know it sounds it sounds like um, and I'll like again look at look. Okay, whoa, whoa. See, he's got the Texas Rangers hat. He's got the big cup. None of y'all can see this, but that's what he, that's what Jonathan's just like. He's gonna come with a hoodie next time. I swear he's gonna have the whole kit and caboodle. But yeah, I just want to let you know that he's sipping out of the cup <laughs> with his hat on. So like, I know everyone can't. I'm see I'm not it, showing I, it off. Know. I didn't. I didn't mention. I that can it's see World it. Series I can cup. see it. No, no, no. I can see it. But uh, yeah, yeah. Um, no, and and to speak to Chris's point, like it is one of those things where you know, you're not just saying it because it's like, it's like, Oh, we, we do that as a business, but no, like that is the difference because it is the, it's their, the relationship between the club builders. And I always say fitters sh- should know at least the basics of club building and builders should know some fitting because there is a relationship of understanding how this, these components go together when you do put them together and tip sizes and all this stuff. So I think, uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully at least until, at least for now, we're completely safe you know, we talked about the putters earlier. We're completely safe from the the AI machine of, of building clubs uh, right now. Uh, but before we get to our our next subject, I want to say, and this is cool because I speaking of uh, social media, and we we have posted this before, but I get a lot of questions about the old ads that we posted on the fully equipped uh, Instagram and social media, and some of the videos we've done, but just kind of showcasing things and articles that we've written. But you can you can have access to all of these things if you go to golf.com and join Inside Golf. So it is the membership program that we have through golf.com and golf magazine. And what you do is not only you get some free stuff that's included with it, which is really nice, but you have access to not just the current magazine, every issue that comes out, but you have access to all of the back catalogs of the entire uh, magazine collection going back to the 1950s. And let me tell you, there are some freaking beauties in there including some of the original club tests that go back to, I believe the late eighties and the early nineties, which I have started to peruse a little bit. Uh, club test has come a long way when there were no launch monitors. And they talked to Jerry Smith about the new, the new graphite shafted irons, which came in a weird color and he didn't really like them, but he would probably buy them if they came in a different color. Like that's, that to me is just like, it's funny to read that kind of stuff. Now, um, now we're giving you robot insight data and all these different things which you can access through Inside Golf as well. But if you again, if you are curious, head over to golf.com, find the Inside Golf button. It's right there kind of near the top and you can sign up and you can look at look back in all those magazines, all kinds of different articles. There's nothing taking out including again all these old ads for cars too if you like old cars, there's stuff in there as well. But it's a, it's a, it's a treasure trove. I'm telling you, a lot of people on our staff, including myself, have spent hours already, and we're not even close to getting through these things. So if you are curious and you do like looking at all these, uh, that kind of those old magazines, that old ad copy, old articles, like big, huge articles on the masters from the 60s and 70s, head over to golf.com, check out Inside Golf, and be a member for, I believe it's like, I think it's like 40 bucks. So pretty good deal. Pretty good deal to waste a whole bunch of hours looking at old, cool golf stuff. I, you got me hooked on this RB because you started pulling out all these old ads and I'm like, man, there's gotta be some fun ones. And I went back to 97 and found a, a Tommy armor ad for the, the, I think it was like, it was their T 100s was the iron and <laughs> which is also very amusing, but I mean, they are just goading Callaway. Like, you know, Callaway's already following suit is Cobra next. And I'm thinking, like, could you imagine if if OEMs called out other OEMs in their advertisements? I mean, the back in the, the it was a little bit more of the Wild West in the '90s. I feel like there were there were some there were some brands that no longer exist. But it it I was like, man, this is great. Like a, a little a little bit of a little bit of shit talking in in the golf magazine advertisements. Pretty there cool. are a few. Uh, the one that I pulled for the article that I wrote was like a six page. 
uh, TaylorMade ad for like all the original irons and the the seven different drivers that they had. Now it wasn't because the drivers were actually different. The the names on them were for different lofts, which I thought was hilarious. Um, so like the tour driver was eight degrees for a penetrating flight. And then there was the burner for those high handicap players, which is still like 200 cc's and ridiculously hard to hit for like a nowadays driver. But that was the big forgiving one for all those folks out there. So uh, it is it is a great thing to go check out uh, if you are really curious and you like that old gear, because to your point, there's there's a lot of stuff from brands in there that don't exist anymore. And uh, it's kind of a fun way to look back at all of it. That's awesome. All right. It's question time, isn't it? Oh no. I think it, I think it is. Why don't we get to to the fully equipped hotline? If you haven't called the fully equipped hotline, make sure you do that. 602-935-4974, blow up our spot, call us out, rave rant, whatever. Make it about gear or not, whatever, we don't care. Again, that's 602-935-4974, and I know coach has a couple teed up for this week. Coach, let's get to it. Yeah, we got two for this week, and the first one is a gentleman from Kentucky in need of advice. Hey, guys, this is Anthony from Kentucky. I'm a 5.5 handicap golfer with a fully fitted bag that I love. Um, my worst club in the bag is my driver. Uh, but my question is, I'm above average in length with my middle to long irons. Um, I hit my short irons well, but I'm below average in distance with those. Could you please give me some insight to why that may be? Thank you. Do you want to cover this, Chris? Or I think I got his answer. Uh, go for it. By the sounds of it, our listener here lacks compression. Um, so if he's, if he's relatively shallow... It is a wonderful thing to be shallow with your long irons because you are able to launch it high with not a lot of spin. And with less loft, you're naturally creating more compression and ball speed because there's less loft on those golf clubs. If you are someone who is shallow with higher lofted clubs, we see this a lot. I mean, he's obviously a, a lower handicap golfer, uh, but what you will notice is as you get into those weaker lofted clubs, if you are not creating compression, which is forward shaft lean at impact, then, and it doesn't mean you have to take a divot. That, that is the one thing you can be shallow and not take a divot. Um, so I should clarify that. But if you are someone who is, is, um, shallow, but not creating any forward shaft lean, it's great for irons, but it's not so great for your, sorry, long irons, but not great for your short irons, because what you're doing is the, the, the ball is going to be launching higher. If it's going to stop very quickly, but it's just not going to get the distance you're probably expecting. So there's probably a, a very, uh, non-linear progression of distance throughout the bag. Um, the one thing I would say to that, and I'm, I'm actually, this is where I'm really curious to hear your feedback. This is where stronger lofted, if you don't want to change your golf swing, which is fine because the goal is to fit clubs for your golf swing. You want to go with stronger lofted irons in the short irons, correct? With have that have maybe some larger distance or larger um, loft gaps between them, because then you get that, you get that natural compression with a stronger lofted golf club and it helps gap out and then you can probably still move into standard lofted wedges because of the way that you swing the golf club rather than focusing on the specs of the golf club. Yeah, I like that. That, uh, I mean, that would pretty much sum it up for the majority of players out there. I mean, I'm, I'm always going to default to, yeah, I, I would like to see dynamically what he's doing. 
know if he has access to a launch monitor or could provide us with any kind of data. I'd love to see it if there's a uh, if there's an opportunity to send that in and let us kind of dissect it a little bit because. I mean, there could be a couple of different things going on with driver. Driver's the exception to where there's no turf interaction, right? So I see players do a lot of interesting things with driver that we don't necessarily see represented through the rest of the bag. So, I mean, if there's something going on dynamically to where side bend lateral movement, there's a new release pattern being incorporated with the hands because of the length in relationship to how he sets up to it. I mean, there's there's just so many different things that could potentially be happening. So, I mean, the quick, easy fix for driver, if you spray it, is, I mean, copy and paste. If you typically have a shorter driver, you'll have more control of it, better facial awareness, as long as you keep the weight consistent to where you're feeling the head throughout the swing. So a quick, easy fix might be just to try a shorter shaft in the driver. Um, and yeah, without looking at data, there could be, could be a few different things going on, but yeah, RB, I like your, your explanation. I got a buddy who's the exact opposite. He struggles with his driver, although he swings it well over like 110 miles an hour, but he'll hit his nine iron, like 165, hundred and he probably hits a nine iron, like 170 yards. <laughs> Cause he's, wow. he, he like no lo- He like takes the lot, the loft off it and is very shallow. And the ball goes like 200 yards in the, in the air. And he just has no distance control. He's a good player. Like he struggles with distance control. He's like he's probably like a seven, eight handicap. But uh, he can't. He's driver. He'll hit like a big hook or block with it because he's trying to. His path is really off. But he'll get. I'm telling. I'll be like, what? What club did you hit there from 140? He's like, oh, I hit my gap wedge. I'm like, holy crap! This doesn't make any sense. Wow. Yeah. So I, it need, is. I need some of that flight. Mine's mine's oh. too high. I need I need some of that flight. Yeah, I, I hit everything high, so that it works for me. But yeah, that's I mean, there's, dynamics are, are such a huge part and part to going through your golf bag. So that's what I would I would say to our listener there. All right, coach, we got another one. Indeed, we got one more, and this comes from a gentleman that has followed your guys' trend of stalking the USGA conforming list. Oh God! Hey guys, North Carolina, guys. Two questions, one for Ryan. What are you excited about coming up? Uh, starting to see some stuff coming in, you know, to the USGA, popping up on their list of conforming clubs. Is there anything AI from Callaway on the putter? Uh, Uno, yeah, looks just like what they had. Uh, but anything that excites you, Ryan, that's coming out? Or for Gene? Is there anything that you tested that you went, wow, that is amazing? A club, I don't know if you can say the name, but just like you were totally amazed by the performance or you were totally underwhelmed by going, oh, this is the biggest piece of junk I've ever seen in my life. Uh, hope you all have a greetings from North Carolina again. See you. Isn't, isn't that he like sounds you- just like Mike Taylor. I, and like, <laughs> if if I if I didn't know who that was, I would say Mike T called us, but it's not Mike T. That's a compliment, gonna, by the way. I was gonna say, uh, there were actually that's probably I think that's the reason why Gene's not on the podcast this week is because things were so exciting with some of the robot testing that the OEMs have actually made sure that he shut up. 
Yeah. Gene's actually <laughs> testing as we're recording this pod. As we're recording this podcast, like I, I shit you not. Gene is texting us with screen with uh, screenshots of of the data as he's testing the new drivers. As he's testing. <laughs> as he's testing the new drivers. So we can't give you any we can't give you any insights because you know all that is is you know under lock and key until January. So you'll just have to wait until then. I like that. I like that he stocked the conforming list, though. I appreciate that. Those are the, you guys are always the hardcore people. I used to do it every. Uh, I know it's updates every Monday. Um, I used to check it every Monday, and now I kind of like, you know, every couple every couple weeks when it's like the time of year and you got to start looking is when I kind of get into things. Um, You're a big RNA RNA guy, though. RB, you don't go to the USGA one. I like the RNA. The RNA one. See something about the cookies or whatever the, the way that the USGA site is works. I find that the, the dropdown menus are a lot easier to search on the RNA website. So they, they actually use the same database for pictures. So like they just share it, but it's the way that it um, gets uploaded on the, on the website that it just finds it a little easier. So that's generally why I go there. Um, thanks. Now, thanks Jonathan. Now I, now I have to beat people to the <laughs> RNA list, but anyway, so to say, did I, did I just give up your, your blew up my spot? Yeah. You blew uh, up my spot. My bad. Uh, my bad. But it, you know, it is. It's the time of year where you're going to start looking, especially uh, in the later fall events or like the silly season. You might see a club or two pop up, which is always uh, going to be something that you got to keep an eye on. But as far as the technology going into this this coming year, I think the story which we've already kind of discussed this on this podcast is the putter from Odyssey, which is going to be very interesting to see how it transitions and how it plays out in the real world. I'm very interested to hear feedback from Chris and working with players because we only have the data from Odyssey, which is their in their data, which if, if you've ever watched any commercial, like this car gets super great gas mileage when we drive it at so much elevation down a hill, blah, blah, blah. Um, no, sorry. No, 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 no offense. Odyssey. I'm just, I'm just saying, I'm keeping it real as uh, Dave Chappelle would say, but the, uh, the golf, I think it's, I still think it's the golf ball. First of all, I want to see when AI comes to a wedge. Like, you know, I'm I'm sure that's next. But the golf ball, I'm really curious where golf balls are going this year. Because I think with the way technology continues to develop on the golf ball side from from spin and durability and all these other little little facets of what can make a good golf ball work for individual players, we see fitting get better and better and better and specialized for specific clubs. I think we're going to see more of that from the golf ball. And that's where I think it's really going to go where, you know, as a golfer, I can go in and I'm going to find the one that's going to work better for me. And it, I think more brands are really focusing on that. That's all I got. I mean, he was asking you, so I'm not going to respond. It's a good opportunity <laughs> for me to keep my mouth shut. <laughs> not get in trouble. Go to silence. <laughs> silence. Yeah. Putting myself on mute. Um, but yeah, it, going back to the, the robotic stuff, yeah, we we can't speak to what's what's exciting right now, but there is some cool stuff coming for sure. Um, if I was going to speak for Gene on past products, I would say his response would probably be: and we've talked about it. We talked about it, I think last week. Cobra Cobra LTDX. That that driver was was something special. So, I he and I both agree. Haven't seen a driver like prior to that or since that's been able to, to retain ball speed and carry distance numbers across the entire face. And again, we test nine points. It's not like we're testing center, high toe, low heel. We're testing it everywhere. And it was still retaining ball speed, which is, which is really impressive. So anyway, I would say 
His response would be Cobra LTDX. And for everything else, TBD. I do have one thing that I am excited for, which I know some of the purists are just going to shake their heads at me, and I don't care. I cannot wait to get my hands on this Kirkland driver and Kirkland diet. Oh, my God. We, we got to talk about this thing, but we'll, we'll talk to it when they come out. Cause save, you know, we don't, we yeah. don't have any information. Save, save for, save for, yeah. Save for another week. Yeah. But what's been I out agree, there for a I long agree. time, but that is what I'm excited. I'm very excited to see just how they stack up. There's so many direct to consumer products out there. If they're going to, from everything that's been leaked online and you look, look, you just type, you type it into Google, it'll come up. All right. It's not like some hidden secret, but if they're going to sell a driver for one ninety nine, even if it comes in one loft with an adjustable hosel, I want to see how that damn thing performs. <laughs> I'm so freaking curious because if you're going to tell me that they're going to be able to put that out through a store and compare it to the big OEMs, which I know are spending a ton of more money on R&D and all of those things, I want to know how it stacks up. Do I think it's going to beat it? I don't. I truly don't. But it gets pretty close. When we talk about value, it's hard to ignore. We're going to test it on the robot. I will say that it looks like uh, Kirkland just bought up all the old Callaway OptiForce drivers. Sorry. Yeah, it looks very similar. It really looks, does. It looks <laughs> looks eerily similar to the OptiForce. Yeah. Maybe it's not, but I I just got a weird feeling. It's like they just bought up all the old stock OptiForce stock. Somebody there at Kirkland loves that driver. They're like, get that driver. Let's just rebrand it. Come on. Uh, it, it, you'd have a you'd have a lot of lawsuits if that was the case. But it it does look like some at least uh, more than just the OptiForce RBI. It, you had mentioned a couple other drivers that it, it sort of have similar traits, but I, I agree. I'm excited to see it as well. All right. Well, I think that does it for this week's edition of the Fully Equipped Hotline. Again, if you want to leave us a voicemail, you can do it at 602-935-4974. I got to close this one out, boys, because I got to get to Frisco for this Odyssey event. As I mentioned before, John Rahm, Sam Burns, and Xander Shoffley are going to be there. Um, I was... Offer time with with one, both, all three. I, I don't know exactly. So as we're closing out this week's episode of Fully Equipped, I'm just going to tell you, we're going to get somebody from, from Odyssey talking about the new AI One putters. Uh, it's going to be a little bit of a mystery. Surprise. So enjoy those interviews. All right, here we're Sanders. And what's up, man? How are you doing? What's going on? So you got a little bit of a break here. What, what, are, you, what are you doing during your off time? Are you just, you just like hanging out, watching, watching games, like getting, getting in a little bit of R and R what's, what's your downtime routine? Yeah, it's uh downtime is typically, I mean, you don't get to relax the entire time. There's still a little bit of work, uh, to be put in, but I'm currently in my sort of R and R phase, uh, seeing a lot of buddies. Uh, I've been on the West coast for a little bit. Uh, I've been in Florida for most of the year. So seeing some friends uh, on the West coast, uh, hanging out with my wife, you know, more like one-on-one now that, you know, we're not at events or just doing something out and about, uh, or my, my pups I get to see, which is awesome, but pretty much camp out at home a lot. She's cooking a lot. And it's, I, I really, I am a homebody for the most part. You're not going to catch me clubbing or anything of that nature. Um, so really just seeing friends and I'll have to get back together with my team here pretty soon to, to sort of, uh, make a little game plan for next year. So we are here for Odyssey's launch of the of the AI One, and I want to talk about this putter presentation that that all the guys went through. Like, did did you get a heads up that they were going to start like feeding you these numbers and showing (laughs) you like how much money you lost Uh, during the year? You know, I mean, Joe and I, uh, Joe Toulon's the one who presented it. We we go pretty far back. so far back he actually showed me uh clips of us playing like head to head in like a i don't know 
14 to 16 age bracket or 15 to 17 oh, age Oh, seriously? Bracket. He has a clip on his phone if you ask him. That's um, awesome. We tied, actually. <laughs> and then he said from that moment on, our careers took very drastic turns. Uh, but uh, he told me he was going to show me something. Um, and the way he presented it, I, I laughed pretty hard. I mean, it's a... It's just it's just money, and it was a painful number to look at. Uh, just the amount of three putts that I had uh, built up through the year, but yeah, you know the hope is to to make it better. You know, I, I don't I don't take any uh, personal offense to how he presented it or, or or the presentation itself. I just they're trying to help me out, and I'm going to look into it. So I know you haven't officially switched in, but they have a bunch of putters coming to you. I so I've seen you out on tour a bunch, and I know you've kind of alternated between that that number seven mm -hmm. silverhead number seven and the red yeah like this is a different this is a different finish and i know like colors are kind of a big deal to you like what have you been talking about with the guys and like what what are they sending you as far as putters to test yeah so obviously with the ai1 blue is that, that sort of deep blue um is is the main color uh with either the sort of white hot finish or that sort of champagne uh face that they alluded to earlier uh during that presentation but they made a red one for me um like, uh, sort of that was my next question i kind of figured they did make a prototype red you one. are a xander shopley yeah. so <laughs> you're, you're gonna get a red one yep with the with the black insert um, okay it looks nice. I, I was able to hit it at East Lake as well, and it felt nice. So uh, I'm probably just gonna have to sit down. Uh, I'm gonna definitely spend some more time uh, with my putting coach Derek, uh, and probably in the next coming days, uh, upcoming days, to sort of put a side by side uh, on, on the two heads and see see sort of how they pan out. So I know the the insert on this AI one is different mm -hmm. than than a standard white hot. Just from the limited testing that you have done, like what can you tell me about that insert? How does it feel? I know tour pros like that's a big deal. Yeah. Feel is super important. Yeah, uh, it, it is, especially when you're kind of in in like in your mid season form or ending season form, which is where you're supposed to sort of peak. You're so I feel like so, so sensitive to certain things, and I was putting well too um, during during that last. Part You've of the kind year, of been so. putting well for for a while, though. Right. I mean, yeah, pretty consistent is sort of you know how we like to look at it. Um, this year was definitely a little spike in the correct direction um, in terms of the putting performance, and uh, yeah, the, the the face felt it felt totally fine. It, it was a slightly different feel, I'd say. Um, I, I had to kind of get used to the sound it was making. It was slightly different than mine, but not super noticeable. Um, I was nitpicking at it when I grabbed it, so I really need to. I haven't grabbed a putter in a couple of weeks. I mean, this this little contest we did was the first time I grabbed a putter in, in a little bit Does of time. Does it feel foreign in your hands, or is it uh, just kind of like riding a bike? You know, maybe after another week off, it might feel really foreign, and yeah. maybe that could be a good thing in terms of testing out the putter. So with with a putter like AI1, I mean, the big thing is this new tech. I mean, they're using artificial intelligence mm -hmm. to design the face. Um, I mean, there's a lot going on with this putter, and the big thing is distance control. And I know that's huge for pros. Like you guys are all about trying to hit the right distance. You know, if it doesn't go in the hole, at least you got to give yourself, you know, inside three feet. I mean, is this this has got to be like a game-changing design for a tour pro? I mean, you you jokingly set up on the stage like you that you wish they would have kept it kind of a secret. I'm trying to find my edge anywhere. Yeah, I can. yeah, of course. Yeah. But I mean, it's it's got to be a big deal to be able to have a putter like that. Eventually, when you do switch to it, that's going to help you get some of those putts that might may have been maybe five or six feet, get them to closer to three. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I, I think they keep talking about um, uh, lag putting, which is obviously very important. Um, and that's sort of when I grab the putter and try to, I hit you know sort of mid-range longer putts uh, around that 30-foot range. And something I'm more keen on is actually, I mean, I'll miss hit the face from eight feet sometimes or 10 feet sometimes. And I'm, those are make putts, you know, 10, 12, 12 those are sort of that make range that right. people 
don't when you're putting well you make those putts and you see guys shooting 62. Uh, when I'm uphill and I tow a tow a putt um, from eight feet, it loses speed and I'm, it might get to the hole, but it wasn't the intended speed that I had. So I'm kind of excited actually more about sort of that make range along with the lag putting because if the speed is consistent across the face, um, like they say it is, then that's pretty attractive because sort of my I feel like when I'm putting really well, my feel is so dialed in, the speed is dialed in that when I'm trying to make putts, the only thing that holds me down is my speed, whether I hit it too soft or too hard. So typically too soft in, in, for, for me, but uh, if it's coming across consistent, that means those putts that I kind of left short or like burned the low edge would probably go in. So that's kind of what I'm excited to look for. I've seen you, you have a, a really like, I would almost call it like a religious putting routine. Like I've watched you out on tour, like the way that you go about it. What's, what's that one putt this year? Like what one length were you really like trying to focus on and work on because I know that I know guys like have that length where it's like man if I could just get better from from here I know that it would help improve my game I mean I'd say anything inside 10 feet that's sort of the the topic that Derek my putting coach and I really touch upon uh, when we're practicing um, we've, we've 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 extended it to you know 15 to 20 feet but there's so many variables in place um, when you're trying to make a 20-foot putt whether it's a little bit of wind or it hits a bump or a spike mark you can't spent all day forking your line from 20 feet so you know you got 150 guys walking across your line throughout the day it gets a little tricky so i think but you know inside inside 10 feet you can control your speed better um you can you know match up with your line better and those are really important putts to make i know some guys like to test at home others are totally fine testing out on tour where, where do you kind of fall on if you're going to test a new putter like where's the best place yeah, yeah um i probably it really depends on what i'm testing I'd say when I'm, swing, when I'm swinging, I want to be kind of in, in, in form. I don't want to take a month off and then grab a club. Um, so I, don't, I really don't mind doing testing on the road. I used to be scared of it, but now I'm more towards it because I feel like I'm in my best form when I'm trying to compete in PJ Tour events. Awesome. Xander, thanks for time, man. Jonathan, thanks, man. All right, and that'll do it for episode 214 of Fully Equipped. Thanks again to Odyssey for the time. As always, if you want more gear news, you can check us out on social channels. We are at fully underscore equipped on Twitter. X, whatever you want to call it, and at Fluke of Golf on Instagram. Thanks as always for listening.